Good morning. This morning we're going to be celebrating uh, communion, the Last Supper. I want to take us back to the first century. Um, every year, Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to celebrate their freedom from Egypt. It was the, the biggest celebration of the year. Thousands coming. And on that night, uh, Jesus and his disciples also celebrated Passover. This was the night before Jesus would be betrayed by one of his closest friends. And he would be executed by crucifixion. And that night, as he had dinner with his disciples, Luke records that he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so from this, after Christ was crucified and rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven, the early church began to celebrate and remember Jesus in this way. So Paul, otherwise known as Saul of Tarsus, he was one of the first Christian missionaries, wrote the following about the way they were celebrating the Last Supper to one of the churches. He wrote, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. I want to just bring out two things here. If we eat or drink without discerning the body of Christ, we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. This is critical. Somehow, this is what's standing between us and being condemned with the world. So I want to explore this this morning. To understand what is Paul trying to get at. So, first we need some background. So, um, Paul, well, the, person, the person who wrote this letter in around 55 AD, about 25 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, um, Paul was one of the first missionaries. He was one of the first converts to Christianity. Um, and he had started a church in Corinth several years before. And apparently, the church in Corinth had just written him a letter with, you know, when mom's been away and maybe had a babysitter and the kids are fighting with each other. And so, as soon as mom walks in the door, and the sister runs up and says, mom, mom, my brother was, okay? It's one of those letters. One of those letters saying, 
these guys are doing this, and these guys are doing that, and what are we supposed to do with this? And it's all full of complaints. And so Paul is writing back to them, to the church, and addressing a bunch of these issues. Um, Corinth was not a Jewish city by any means. So here's a, here's a map of the Roman Empire at the time of this letter was written. Um, just for reference, all those red dots are where the Roman armies were, including, for example, as you see over here, the Roman army was down here. One of the Roman armies was down here in Judea. That's where the church started. But Corinth is right here, pretty much in the dead center of the empire. This is like not where the armies are. This is a rich and powerful city, access to the sea, access to land. This was the Greeks. Everybody loves the Greeks in those days. They were like the people who were the smart ones. This was an incredibly rich and powerful city full of Christians who were, some were slaves, some were free, some were Jews, some were Gentiles. And Paul is writing to them. And I remind you again, he's writing, those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. What is this about? What's going on here? So what is this image of the body of Christ? Now the first thing, clearly we've already looked at, Jesus, well, the, the bread that we're going to eat in some way is a symbol of the body of Christ. So his body. But maybe there's something more than that. This whole passage, this passage I've read, is, is surrounded by Paul talking to the church in Corinth about how they're treating each other, the attitude they have when they come together. He says, look, I've heard that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And I'm afraid to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be divisions. There have to be differences among you so that you can show which of you have God's approval and which of you don't. Ooh, the attitude. Ah, those Belkin people, they're separated from us, not like us on the, right? Or maybe, like, we're closer to God up here. I don't know. Divisions in the church. What's he talking about? What is this body of Christ? And those of you who've read 1 Corinthians know the answer. So I'm just going to tell you. He says, you, to the church of Corinth, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. All of them in this incredible, wealthy, diverse city. The rich, the poor, Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free, men, women. You were all part of the body of Christ. And he says the same thing to us. We are part of the body of Christ. Every one of us. None more than others. We are all part of the body of Christ. So he now, he now talks about how to, he puts us together, helps us try to understand what it means for us to be a body. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. What is this about? What is this spirit? The Holy Spirit. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, when he's talked, when he, in the night when he introduced the Last Supper, he also told his disciples that he was going to be crucified and he would go into heaven. And when he did, when he went away, he would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who would come and dwell within us and empower us and teach us. This is the Holy Spirit, the one Holy Spirit who has given to each one of us 
gifts from him, not from us. We didn't earn them. And Paul lists some of the gifts that were present in the Corinthian church. There was message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts given by the Holy Spirit to them, not earned from themselves. And then each one of us have something that God has given us. The talents, the skills, the abilities, the way that God has formed us and created us and touched us for the purposes of his kingdom. They're from the Holy Spirit. Different gifts. Mine, not yours. Yours, not hers. But the same Spirit distributes them. And he says, this different kinds of service, but the same Lord. What's this concept of service? The, the word there in Greek, I, don't you love it when pastors say, oh, and then there's the Greek word, because they clicked on the little button, little link in there. Never mind. The, the, work, the, the word is the same word as the word deacon. Different kinds of service different positions within the church different roles right the first one was gifts the second is is roles ah well i'm one of the elders oh i'm on the greeting team oh i'm on the worship team i teach sunday school different roles we all have different roles what is our role what is your role in the church we all have different roles but every one of us though we have different roles have the same lord we report to the same person. Different roles, the same Lord. And thirdly, he says, there's different kinds of working, different outcomes, different ways things happen. The word here is, is like an effect. Different outcomes. Maybe the church up the road is bursting at the seams and there's tens of thousands of people waiting in the parking lot to get in. And in another place, if it's a small group of people supporting each other, who knows? Different kinds of working, different outcomes. But you know what? It's the same God at work in all of us. And when you look at your ministry or your life or what's going on and like, am I making an impact? It's God who's making the impact, not you. Because it is him in all. One spirit, different gifts. One Lord, different roles. One God at work, different outcomes. We are one body. And so just as a body, though one has many parts, so it is, but all, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Canadians, Americans, Jamaicans, Jews or Gentiles, slaves, free. We were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And there's many here. And we're all different, different roles, different gifts. One Lord, one spirit. But we can sort of get it wrong, can't we? We can make these mistakes, and he talks about two of them. He talks about two big errors. The first error is the error of the foot or the ear who think they don't belong to the body. So, here's what he says. He says, a foot should say, because I am not a hand, it's true, I do not belong to the body. See, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, 
I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Not very effective, just an eye, okay? Um, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So what's this error? The error is to say, well, I'm not something, fill in the blank. What's the thing that you think is the important thing here? I'm not on the elders board, therefore I'm not important. I'm not on the worship team, therefore I'm not really part of the church. I haven't really signed up for teaching kids ministry. Kids ministry, I'm not, I'm not part of the church. No. Every single one of us is needed here because God has called us here, given us the gifts that we need to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, to work through us. And just because you say, well, I'm not that important, I don't belong here, you still are. There's a second error. That's the first error, the error of saying, because I'm not a whatever, I don't really belong here. That's just wrong. You're not less important. But the second one, maybe that's not your problem. The second error is the, the head or the eye who thinks they don't need the rest of the body. Paul writes, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Right, so here we have this head here and she looks pretty happy. But you know that's not going to last very long. She's got about maybe five or ten seconds, I think, is what. Sorry. Um, <laughs> none of us is superior to anybody else. I can't go and say, well, because I'm one of the elders, I don't need you, Charlie. It's not true. If we haven't got the body... We're, we're nothing. We need each other. And not one of us can say, because I'm this, I don't need you. We're one body, one spirit, one Lord. So none of us are superior to the rest in God's eyes. None of us are more needed than the rest in God's eyes. And Christ didn't die for me more than he died for somebody else. We are one body. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, well, we treat them as special ones. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's what it means to be a body. 
Do we do that? Do we, do we honor some of us more than others? When somebody's hurting, do we say, well, they're not important. I'm not going to, wow. Okay. When one of us hurts, we all hurt together. We are one body. So then Jesus goes on, to, Paul goes on to talk about the roles in the church again. He says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. Whether you're in here forever or thinking about what it means to be a Christian, God's called every one of us to be part of the body, to be important. Now, God has gone and placed different roles. Right? He's placed apostles and prophets, is what at least when he's talking to the Corinthians. Teachers, miracle workers, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of languages. Are all, is everybody an apostle? No. Is everybody a prophet? Everybody a teacher? Does everybody work miracles? Does everybody have the gift of healing? Do we all speak in tongues? Do we all interpret? No. The answer to it is no. Every one of us has a different role, different gift, different thing that God has given us, but they're all important. And when we think about those roles, though, we can, we can get them wrong. Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And he comes into one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, I think. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. No matter how much God has gifted me as a speaker or as a singer or whatever, if I don't have love, I'm just making noise. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have enough faith that I can move a mountain, but I don't have love, He says, if I give everything that I have to the poor and I give my body over to hardship so that I can boast but don't have love, I'm not getting anything out of that. Love is central. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy doesn't boast, it's not proud, doesn't, never dishonors others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it doesn't keep records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. And who's the ultimate example of love? And it's Jesus Christ. And when I feel impatient, how much more patient has Christ been with me? When I'm envious of something that someone else has that I think I deserve, how much more did Christ give up?
usually anger keeps no record of wrong. And so when I'm angry with my brother or my sister, for legitimate reasons, Jesus kept no record of mine, of my wrongs. Instead, he humbled himself, became obedient to death. He always protects, he always trusts, he always hopes, and he always perseveres. Jesus never fails. So in the night that he was betrayed, when he was talking to his disciples, in the night of the Last Supper, on the night he promised the coming of the Holy Spirit, he said the following things. He said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you will keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. This is what it means to be alive. To love each other as Christ has loved us. And so as we come together for communion, we are honoring Christ as part of his body. And Christ loved us so much that he gave up everything as the creator of the universe to die on a cross for our sins and for this group of people. He died for the one sitting next to you and behind you for every one of us. As we come to communion, don't come thinking about the unworthiness of someone else. And don't come thinking about how <sighs> you were superior <laughs> or perhaps unworthy ourselves. We are one body. There is one spirit, there is one Lord.